Hello, and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast on the internet that has the science and the screaming to determine what is the single greatest movie of any given year. This week, this season, we're doing 2020. This week, we're doing Lover's Rock, and I have already decided that this is the single greatest movie of my year. We're going to feel out Mike and Greg this week and see if they agree with me or if they're just going to get zero points this week because this is a competition show and they are going up against each other to see who is the single greatest friend of my week coming up. (laughs) Saints clear, you're nailing it. Greg, you're here. (laughs) Yes. How was that? Uh, How was being here? No, how was that intro? Oh, I thought you did a great job. I thought it were off to a good start. You introduced the year. You introduced the movie. You gave a, an idea of what the format of the show is. Greg, is I, got a, I got in a fight with Mike earlier because he was surprised to learn that this is my favorite movie of the year. You knew that, right? Like, you've listened to me all this season. Did you know yes. that, or are you surprised? No, I'm not surprised. Um, yeah. You... You do have a tendency to you do this with best friends too. Uh, you do have a tendency to like label five to eight movies your favorite movie of the year because you did also say this about First Cow. But if you had like if you'd really said what is ultimately Ryan's favorite movie, I would have said Lovers Rock. And I see, I totally see why. I th- I love this movie not without reservation, but I I love it as well and. I would not try to argue against anybody who who said that this was the best movie of 2020. I sort of got the impression throughout the week, Mike, that Greg understands why this might be somebody's favorite movie, but it isn't his. Where are you at right now? Oh, I don't know if we've talked about on this incarnation of the show how much I'm in the bag for a movie that is just takes place over one night and mostly captures the vibe of an era. Because most people call you Mike Can't Hardly Wait Gravania. Yes, Mike Can't Hardly Wait Gravania, the best uh, iteration of that kind of movie. But like your, your Can'ts Hardly Waits, your Americans Graffiti, uh, your Dazed and Confused. That's my shit, man. Just give me the energy of an era and a type of people, and I want to hang out and, and watch it. And this certainly is that. And so, I would say I like I echo all of that. Everything that people say that, about this movie that is positive. I totally mm-hmm. agree with uh, 100%. There is just, I think, an aspect of this movie that I did not expect to pop up. And then as the movie was unfolding, I was like, man, sh- sure seems like some hostile attitudes towards women. And then when there is actual sexual assault in the movie, I just, I was like, man, what? That was a weird, that just felt like a, a big tonal shift. And then the movie seemed to shift right back into the earlier, like, cool just vibe chilling at a party mode i don't know anyway back to reggae (laughs) it does feel like yeah there's the simmering tension that it almost feels like it could have been a psa it's like oh man you didn't realize this is what the women in your life feel like every yes they're having fun but there's also this threat yeah and I i know that's something that we will talk about but that is where i just wanted to make it clear that that's like where my reservations come from because it it was the part where it's just like a a snapshot of a time and where it's a vibe and where there is like it's an hour long and yet it feels like there's as much world in this one hour as like most movies that you see i every time the camera like pans away from somebody i'm like no i want to see what they're doing though (laughs) there's so many different movies hidden within this movie totally yes that's the thing is that like it uh Mike. It like it feels like it's the start of a uh, MCU 
Like, let's yeah. have a billion spinoff movies of every character that are before, they're after. I want to see it all. 2020 has been a weird season for us because we have been doing movies all uh, throughout 2020. And now we have done, in this season, this specific season, we've done uh, Defy Bloods, First Cow, Promising Young Woman, and I think that's it so far. Not yeah, to mention uh, Bad Boys for Life, uh, Color Out of Shape. What else Emma, have we done? By- Emma. Emma. Uh, uh, not the way, way back. Just the way back. Okay. So does this feel different than those other movies? Does this feel like you guys are... I don't know. Were you more ready or less ready for this movie because we're in this pandemic? Off of First Cow, I I feel like it, I mean it's doing a lot of different things than First Cow, but First Cow also has that thing. If you're like, wait, what's that guy's story? Wait, what's yeah. that guy's story? What's going on over there? And you're like, you're only getting this this like little window into this world, and you find yourself like pressing your face up against it, <laughs> trying to see like everything around the corners yeah. that you trying can. to see the edge of the yeah. TV. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think you're right. They're they're both they're made of no plot just vibes and so they they're amazing but you better be in the right mood for them yes Greg, you are famously now a vr person right uh yeah i am famously a VR person. and it feels like that both of the both first cow and uh lovers rock give us that those vr glasses but sort of control it a little bit yeah. and you can't move your head towards there when you want you know like they, there's so much more to look at and mm-hmm. unfortunately we do have to uh, deal with what the director wants us to look at, which is the problem with every movie. Yeah. You know, like, I think movies shouldn't even have directors. Yeah, part, I agree. <laughs> part of what you can do in VR is you can watch these videos that just like of DJs, and so you're just in a club. And I am not afraid to tell everybody that I've spent more than a couple of nights in VR clubs just because I miss like the idea of being in a room with people dancing. There's a, right. a scene in this movie where I was pretty sure I was going to start crying just yeah, because dude. I was like, I want to be in a fucking room dancing and singing with people like that. Oh, fuck. That feels like a very alien concept right mm-hmm. now. But watching this movie, it doesn't feel alien. You're there. You're in that fucking party. You basically have the VR goggles on. Yeah. And I got to say that as somebody who isn't like Greg, whose dad invented Velcro, uh, I don't have a <laughs> VR so this is it for me, you know, like I can't go to a club. So this movie is my VR and my God, did it like elate and deflate all at the same yeah. time. And cause it takes place in the seventies, it feels like even being around people is something from the past. I like know. it all <laughs> melds together and it's like, Oh, what an era. <laughs> like it feels like it, the road and we're all just around the campfire. But like in the olden days, there were more than four of us. The other part of it. That's like VR though. Ryan is the, the whole experience in the house party. It like is kind of a, a virtual space mm. and they exist in a certain way. The people in that house party, when she runs out to go see her friend though, and suddenly she's confronted by like whiteness yeah, yeah. like their whole reality is sort of hemmed in in this weird way by yeah. whiteness and man it reminds me almost of their eyes are watching god anytime like white people pop up in this you're always like Ooh, yeah. we like, were all just having fun <laughs> and then white people showed up <laughs> okay so uh let's take a break and when we come back <laughs> let's dive into the movie that is lovers rock hey guys thank you so much for listening so far and let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to pop filter. 
Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show. That's Movie of the Year. And that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! When we look back at the disappearing line between movies and television, will Steve McQueen be the one most responsible? In 2020, McQueen had the audacity to release a series of five movies, released one week at a time, all feature length or very close to feature length. The thing that tied them all together was a focus on West Indie immigrants living in London through the 60s, 70s, and 80s. The first, Mangrove, was an inarguably better historical courtroom drama than The Trial of Chicago 7, which received six Oscar nominations. Mangrove received zero nominations, which can only be attributed to voters not knowing what it was and obviously no other reason. The third, fourth, and fifth movies were as political as Mangrove. But it's the second entry, Lover's Rock, that really stands out. It tells the story, such as it is, of a house party in West Indy neighborhood in the early 80s, if Mangrove showed us that these immigrants could not live a public life without the constant harassment of the police and other white people, Lover's Rock showed us where they went to be away from all of that, at least for a few moments, if not for an entire night. From the setup of the party to the morning after, Steve McQueen gives us the perfect evidence that the oppressed will not be kept from experiencing joy. We're, of course, going to spend today's podcast dissecting the characters and analyzing what McQueen is trying to say about that time and sex and gender. But there's no other way to start the show off with Lover's Rock coming out in 2020 than asking Taste Buds, how fucking badly do you miss parties? All I want is for a drunk to spill a drink on me. I want my (laughs) sweat to mingle with other people's sweat. It, Greg in the intro said he almost cried, and there was four times I thought it could happen. Because there's the part where they're all singing, it's beautiful, but it's cooking together. Just uh-huh. a house of friends cooking together. It's setting up for an event. It is, and the the part that really struck was like that made me feel like high school is just like a room of dudes pounding on the walls, screaming uh-huh. and pitting, and like, are we fighting? Are we dancing? It's all of the above. All of the emotions. <laughs> Let's just do them all. Yeah, and uh, you know, the the like party as a character mm. in the in the in the movie. I mean, close almost enough to just being the the main character. We know more about like the party than we do about most of the mm. participants in it. And um just sort of the that's the matrix that forms of all these different intersecting stories and all these different intersecting, you know, plot lines and plans. Mm. And it there is like such a feeling to the 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 way the party is shot and lit the the colors are literally warm which uh you know obviously mcqueen moves between like dark colors and cool colors a lot in this but when you're using the warm colors 
I could literally feel the warmth of this party. Ah. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was not, it's like not the just sweat. I can feel yeah. the sweat. The walls are sweating at one point. The walls are sweating. Oh man, that image of you talk about pounding on the ball, walls, Mike, when you, when you see the, the, the sweat literally tricking yes. down the wall and then a hand hitting it and then the sweat like shooting. That sort of like human uh, connection in a part. Like, it, you could argue that's gross, obviously, that, you know, sweat running down the wall, but it's actually. I would have like, thought that a year ago, but yeah, not now, but, dude. But the, that's, that's the joy of a party, like the yeah. or the, especially dancing. Like I, that's and that's where that dancing. comes from. Yeah. It, like it, it's the you really when everybody is dancing and sweating in in a small room together for a long time, like it becomes everybody's sweat. Like the 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 the, the dividing lines between people really do melt away. You feel mm. it. You become part of this like Brr. surging mass, and it's beautiful. And we none of us have have done it or anything like it for and, fucking and I thirteen months. I, there's part of the. Uh, a lot of the party takes place in the backyard, and I I sort of miss that, you know. But I sort of have that as well, <laughs> you know. Like we've sort of reformed that with mm-hmm. podcasting or whatever. Like mm-hmm. the backyard, they're just hanging out on a couch, drinking beers. But the dance floor is not rep uh, like replicable by Zoom. Yeah. You know, like there's no way to get that back. And Steve McQueen, and there's also no way to get that from movies, right? And Steve McQueen finds a way. Well, that I mean, Steve McQueen always finds a way. But what's genius about him <laughs> picking this era and this this culture? And I mean, there's a there's a, a thousand reasons he did. But like you said, the humanity uh, fades away. Greg is the the patterns. Every the, the, there's there's such a distinct fashion style, and th- this movie really makes you sit in the fashion. Uh-huh. And so much of it is handmade, and they even talk about that. But the, there's such distinct characterization. So when it gets. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? When, it get, when the humanity starts to melt away and like even the walls have the distinct patterns, it is overwhelming, but not in a scary way. It, it all is this like very interconnected and it's like, oh, this flower shirt is melting with this sparkly dress is melting with the walls. And it's all like, it's that feeling like, oh, I didn't do any drugs, but this feeling like this connection to humanity makes me feel but, high. And you're a little buzzed, you know, yeah. like you're not fucked up. You can still understand what's going on, but I, I, I can feel some shit right now. The- the yeah. clothes are great in this movie because they are objectively ugly clothes. Like they're, oh, no, I disagree. But <laughs> the, the, no, the the fabrics are ugly. Uh, the colors are objectively ugly, but together they form a palette. Especially against the like the vast like uh, array of skin tones that you see in the movie, and it actually it's really ugly clothes, but it creates such a beautiful vision really and i i think that's what the whole that's like so much of what's going into this movie these people that don't have a lot but what they have is if you put them all in one room together they can form some sort of like magic just by being together and just by you know experiencing one another yeah it really does create a micro universe because early on in the movie people are like who's that i don't know who her why is she at this party and it you watch those new bonds form like alliances are made and destroyed right. all in one night because this party is now everything. And that's the, this, I really do think that's the part of like, it feels like you can't say all of this without dealing with the fact that this is also a party where there's a sexual assault. Yeah. And it, it's, I just, I don't know if the movie absorbs that i don't know if it like processes it in any way it just feels like it happens and then it goes away and we like maybe it's a sign of the times or or you know maybe that is how reality is and that's just how it works but it just feels like i don't know like once that happened my whole relate like my whole relation to the movie i just felt changed i i I think that like his job is just to be i'm not going to direct this movie 
I'm not going to make you feel like I directed this movie. And so he's just going to be a fly on the wall. And this is sort of what happens at parties. All of it is what actually happens at parties where sexual assaults happen at every single party, no matter what, you know, and all of the parties move on. There's uh, rarely has there been a party in the history of time that has been stopped by sexual assault because of how commonplace it is. And so instead of taking the route of, I'm going to take the time and have everybody stand there and like draw a line and say, this will not happen here. He just moves on. Mm-hmm. It is confusing. It is confronting. I'm not sure what to do with it, but I do think it's it speaks to what he did before and after that scene in the movie, you know? Well, especially because the tension is ramping throughout. All, all, yeah. the, all this vividness and all, all, all people and romance and, and dancing and sweetness, there's also just tension weaved in and out that's turning up. But it doesn't. A lot of it kind of like red herring tension, like her, yeah. like Martha's cousin coming, and he's obviously he's like obviously living rugged, and he seems like he's maybe a little mentally disturbed with grief, if nothing yeah. else, and 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 then that's like sort of a red herring tension because he's like actually not a worry at all. He's a unifying force in the party. By the time it's over, it, it, it's a bit of a red herring, but I do want to get to him because we're, let's let's talk about the rape later, and let's talk about CT now. I. Uh, have you guys ever not been to a party where there's somebody who's like, oh, I was having fun, but this guy's having fun, and that fun makes me have less fun? Yeah, and if you haven't, it's you. Uh, <laughs> where, when he rolls in, and not only does him and the bouncer get head-to-head, and we're not sure why, and then everybody's like, Let, let's come down. When he gets well, up the so party. Because he, yeah, like, he he's so sketchy. Like, <laughs> he exudes an injury. We meet him yeah. in the movie. Where it, it, it's so interesting how he's introduced. Is We see a character breaking into the payphone. Like huh? uh, there's a bunch of characters. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Breaking into the payphone and you're like, "Oh, we will now follow him to the party." And then we don't see him for yeah. another hour, which is the movie. And he notices his cousin Martha yeah. walk by, but as the first time you watch it, you have no idea that they have any relationship to each other. Right. So it just seems like he's suddenly given her a weird stink eye for no reason. Yeah. But at that point Martha is our Clark Kent, right? Like Martha is like, "Oh, you are our protagonist yeah and so you are coming up against her that feels weird uh-huh and i mean that's but like it is sort of like an, an how parties work every party has that guy who just parties a little aggressively and well, that's yeah, how he, it works he's dancing his grief and anger out uh i can't relate to that ever and to the point and that he's like his his being accepted back into the fabric of the party and everything that is beautiful and that's an that's an amazing moment right the the, the one of the guys mercury sound is like three or four guys and they they're the DJs and MCs of the party and one of them sees it cuz they're party professionals at this point and knows something bad might happen and instead of dealing with it and making it worse grabs him and goes put your energy on mic, my friend. And, and then for does. a while, they're watching him like, like, uh, is this working? And it's like, they're not sure. They're not sure. They're not sure. It's working. Yep. It's he's a genius. He's working. a party genius. <laughs> you could have fought him. You could have screamed yeah. at him. But instead, hey, here's the joint. You, are you ready to party? And he like, you see CT be, be like aggressive against them like mm-hmm. or defensive. Like, fuck you. And then, oh, no. Now, now he's ready to party. And that is how parties work, hopefully. Yeah, that guy's the true hero. The guy who gave CD to the joint and the mom. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about, what's her name? Something sound? Mercury sound. Mercury sound? Mercury sound? Do you guys think that they filled a party up? Was that a good DJ choice? Fuck, yes. It's, I, it, it, I, I, I don't know enough about like this, this musical subculture, but to mix like this, to watch this proto-hip-hop meet 
this proto punk and reggae and all just blend together and to be able to hit right. all those energies of of where we're we're pitting, we're slow dancing, where all it was fucking amazing. The one thing I'll say is Samson works the mic a lot. Uh-huh. Now yes. you you have to ultimately judge a DJ by Work. like the success of the party itself, which is they did it right. Like they got people going. Mercury Sound was like being screamed by everybody by the time the party was over. Uh, they they don't have like the way to go from one track to another. So in between every song, they just do sirens. Yeah, which hey, I don't every- think is a great DJ move. <laughs> or everybody go to my MySpace. My MySpace has all of my songs. Go to it, please. I did appreciate you watch them physically pick the record every time, and the guy would have two, and he's like, you could see them be like, well, that one or that one. And he did scratching on it just one time, Uh and for doing it just that one time, it was so much cooler. But yeah. also, it's very purposeful that the movie like started with them. It started with the ladies in the kitchen and with them setting up because they're like the employees of the party. You know, like, all right, we're going to go to work and we're going to make this party employees slash hosts and mm-hmm. and just it did uh the, the transition from the setup it was so definitely done samson started actually sound checking but then cut four hours later the room is filled and he's still just saying check one two <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean they they kept everybody moving mm-hmm. and uh that's that that's a tough thing to do but man it's just something about you give somebody a mic and they're like not only am I going to play songs, but I'm also going to spend a lot of time talking directly into this. I think we've already done this, but I want to do it a little more straightforward. Steve McQueen made this party so painful for us to watch. He didn't know that it was going to come in a pandemic, but it was his, it was him that made this so house party. What do you what do you guys think that he did to make this like not just like it, it, it's not a can't hardly wait situation where like. Well, I walk into the party, and then in the corner is the mean bees, mm-hmm. you know, and then in this corner is the geeks. You know what it was, Ryan? It's it's the mix of the sensual and the awkward. Mm-hmm. That but those are like sort of like twin forces Brick. that exist within a within a party, and so you feel the actual awkwardness of the early on, and it's, it's like kind of breaking, but you can still feel it, and then that gives way to just like the dancing going on at the end of this party. First of all, it's sex, and then finally, it's like a big fight. Like, when it's men and women dancing, yeah. they're basically all having sex on the dance floor, and then all the women kind of clear off, and all the yeah. men do almost like a highly ritualistic like, violence dance, like to like almost like expel violence, to expel the spirit of right. like revolt that could potentially get them in trouble if they didn't have somewhere to just like let it be broadcast a little bit so that right. they feel like they're not just always getting crushed by everything. But so those two things are like crazy energies and we have at that same time seen it progress kind of from like a, hey, how you doing everybody? This is a party, so, you know, <laughs> everyone is goat curry for a dollar right okay red stripe beers yeah it's the sweatiness of awkwardness mixed with the sweatiness of like just exercise like those the two things i miss about parties and and what mcqueen does is humanizing so there's not the geeks and then there's the cool kids uh cynthia just drilling into her is it's her birthday and she is she could be like we said there's a thousand movies in this movie it could she could be the protagonist and it could be a drama basically but then we also see her being the mean girl cuz she's like who the fuck is martha i don't know there's a bunch of people cynthia probably doesn't know but she's mad that another <laughs> short girl in a bright dress is there and what's weird and what makes this movie so realistic is that she tries to be the protagonist 
And sometimes right. she's yeah. not, you know, like she puts the effort out and then she isn't. And that makes her sad. And then because it's her birthday party. That's yeah, so right. classic birthday. Right. She's like, I'm the birthday girl. So everyone's here to celebrate me. And then nobody else has that energy. And she gets progressively more yeah. and more pissed off. But we're already taught to follow Martha. And then so like she's pissed at us. Like, what, yeah. what are we doing? Not following her. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's genre switch. Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you could pay for ryan to draw you a picture Uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on bandcamp he's on spotify uh soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh you could probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music Check him out. Guys, I'm not fucking around right now. Uh, Stop fucking around. Okay. I'm so tired of you fucking around. Let's just, let's make this like a Patreon segment or whatever, because typically I would call in like the CEO of Hollywood and he mm-hmm. would like he would judge your things. But I I'm a little nervous about how you guys are gonna do it. So I want to hear your pitches before you pitch to the CEO of Hollywood. Okay. Oh wow, this is a huge demotion for us. We always pitch right to the guy himself. He loves I know, us. But like you guys make me nervous about your stupidity. So, Heck, let's prove him so fucking right just yeah, to show him. Let's do it. Uh what we're going to do before we talk to the CEO of Hollywood, I'm going to say a 2020 movie and then a new genre. And then you guys are going to pitch that to me. We're going to start with Greg. Okay. But, Mike, jump in as soon as Greg starts to suck, because I really don't want you guys embarrassing us. It's the CEO of Hollywood. Of all of Hollywood. But, I mean, at this point, he's our fifth Beatle. We see him at least once a season. And usually, he I, I remember him always kind of buying up all our stuff and really liking yeah, it. Yeah, he has I know, no but, taste or skill. No, he has been replaced by a conglomerate that does not like your guys' Ooh. shit. Does not oh. find you guys cute or funny. Wait. The reason I like the CEO of Hollywood is because he was different than the rest of the world and how they treat I us. I know. This is rough. <laughs> did he get our idea about how Kong and Godzilla should do smooching? He did, but you know what? He got that at the exact same time that one million other entries had that exact same idea. <laughs> yeah, but ours said Kong and then the greater than less than Godzilla, so it looked like they were scissoring. Scissor style. All right, Greg, we're going to start with you. I need the mad scientist version. Okay. Of the 2020 movie Extraction. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. Uh, Frankenstein's monster. At the last time we see him, he's like drifting out on a, on, on an iceberg, right? Uh, cut to Frankenstein, right? Eyes snap open. Oh my god, what's going on? Where's my monster, Marty? Is this uh, Christopher Lloyd in this movie? Yeah, definitely. Uh, or no, it's a it's a different, it's a totally original character I made up called Frankenstein. Uh-huh. Um, we gotta go back to Antarctica, Marty, and get my Frankenstein's monster. All right, and so it's a mixture of Christopher Lloyd and Matthew Fox from Lost. We have to go back. 
<laughs> and basically, it's they go, they get there, and they figure out that he's been captured by uh, uh, by penguin terrorists, and so they have to go to the lair of the penguin terrorists and try to get him out. And he has to use his wiles a lot. That's the thing about this, right? The the Netflix one, it's a lot of shooting and fighting. This one is going to be a lot of mental stuff, right? Now, a lot of problem solving. In the Netflix version of Extraction, uh, Chris Hemsworth jumped off of a cliff into the water. Mm-hmm. What is a that? Lot- what is the 2021 version of that 2020 bullshit? I think a lot of penguins doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, that's pretty. That's pretty standard stuff for penguins. What's What's going to be exciting for the people is this is actually a taxi reunion because the leader of the Penguin Terrorists is Danny DeVito. So once again, we get Mike, Christopher Lloyd and right Danny now? DeVito together again. Can we get Andy Kaufman? Uh, well, with CGI nowadays, I think we probably can. He he's going to be Muda. he's going to be in CGI character the entire entire time though. Unfortunately, he's doing his catchphrases. It's nice. <laughs> So my concern, this is why I don't, first of all, that's why I don't bring you in front of the CEO of Hollywood. But uh, second of all, Mike, is that Greg thinks that everyone loves penguins as much as he loves them. They're godliest. I mean, they are amazing. That's why this movie is so bold, because they are the villain. That's crazy. That's like making a baby goat the villain. Exactly. And what other kind of popular pop culture thing has a penguin as a villain that's right space jam 2 which features two different versions of the penguin is seen in some crowd shots wow standing right next to each other (laughs) mike you're gonna start now it is the heist version of ma rainey's black bottom i mean they all thought they were done and they Mm -hmm. had to go in for one last job and steal Ma Rainey's <laughs> Black Bottom, uh-huh. and uh, so they, you know, they get the gang together, Not and they're, they're they're all it's it's kind of a take on uh, some like it hot because they are all heistmen pretend to be a band to get uh, honestly there right now. I, I've seen some like it hot's Black Bottom and Ocean's Eleven's Black Bottom right yes. now. Yes, and so that they're pretending to be the band to get into the bar to get to the safe because the safe is going to get empty the next day. And but so, they find when they get in there that they never knew it. But they are so musically talented, mm-hmm. they actually start jamming. Oh shit! And they kind of get carried away with just the music. Right. Ma Rainey comes out; she's on lead vocals. This is a true story, by the way. This happened. And instead of heisting it, they they then go on tour. And in the middle of their first set together, the manager of the bar calls and says, "It's your cousin. You know that new sound you've been looking for. Well, listen to this." That's <laughs> just the sound of a safe being cracked. Honestly, this sounds like my perfect example of uh, Ocean's Eleven mixed with Mike. What was that Muppet? Uh, Emmett Otter's. Oh, Emmett Otter's fucking Christmas time sad fun. <laughs> Junk about band. the, Christmas the time poor otters band. the otters too poor for christmas <laughs> all right that's i i think that's gonna be a buy but greg i'm gonna have to give you the uh erotic thriller version hey of the trial of the chicago seven <laughs> okay so famously the trial of the chicago seven is a is a civil rights trial mm-hmm. and this will be the erotic thriller version <laughs> of that 
So I'm going to take this big long stick I have over here, and I'm not going to touch this or engage with it. Well, I, you know, I, I think probably there is an erotic component to social justice, but we are just not progressive enough, I think, as a society to really get there quite yet. No, you're out there screaming for silver rights, waving your signs in the air, and your nipples are getting so hard. You're like, fuck yeah, we did it for freedom. Now let's do it for freedom. I think does that mean that they're going to get all chafed? It's mostly, well, yeah, and then you just lightly lick it for each other. And then... <laughs> I think it's mostly the same. I movie. think that lightly lick it for each other is probably the tagline on the poster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's mostly the same movie, but in the middle of uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's big speech on the stand, he does the Sharon Stone crisscross and just flashes everybody's <laughs> drunk. Because to me, that's the hallmark <laughs> of the erotic says, thriller. <laughs> and of course, he says, "Oh no, I show my vagine," <laughs> which is very funny. It doesn't quite work with the character he's doing in this movie, but I think it is a pretty good ad lib. All right, Mike, you have the submarine movie version. Hell yeah. We're going to remake Sonic the, Set, the, Sonic the Hedgehog as a submarine movie. Look, Dr. Robotnik, after years of Look. fighting Sonic. <laughs> Look, What's Dr. everybody's Robotnik? favorite part of Sonic? The underwater levels. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, the tension is <laughs> Are there. Are there bubbles that come up from the ground that the submarine can breathe on? It's the only way. Like, the, the submarine's actually sinking, and Sonic has to get from one end to the other, and so he gets those bubbles and breathes. So it's Ben Schwartz still to plays do that, Sonic, but it's mostly... Uh, well, yes, but then if the hole cracks, that's not good, Greg. <laughs> that's what if when sinking they first... versus submerging. They first come out with it, and the submarine's just a regular boat, and fans are like, wait a minute. If you have just a regular boat under the water, that's a sinking ship. And then because of the fans' intervention, <laughs> we turn that into a submarine redesigned so that the boat now has a top and closing part. And and so you get you get the tension. <laughs> and then also everybody's like Sonic's fast, but he also is pretty witty. And so <laughs> you, no, you have to admit that fast. everyone in the audience <laughs> is like Sonic is fast, but he's pretty witty. But you can't you can't you can't run in a submarine. And it's weird they, how many scenes just start in the Sonic movie with someone going, Sonic's fast. <laughs> He's fast. Yeah. Fast. <laughs> and then Tails gets to save the day because the, the rotors are broken and Tails pops his little tails out of the butthole of the submarine and starts spinning <laughs> them right, and it right. flies into the sky. Mike. That's enough from Mike. Uh, Greg. <laughs> uh, Greg. Okay. So we have the animated musical version. Okay. Of Soul. Of the social dilemma. <laughs> okay, so this was like the documentary about how we uh, we've all like given up so much of our information that we're basically screwed. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, honestly, probably a fun little song about that, like d- performed by cartoon characters, I think would be really cute because I think honestly, at this point, like it's happened. It's o- yeah. it's over, right? Oh no, so, like, we're we all shouldn't done. be yeah, we shouldn't be freaked about it anymore. Now the next thing is they have like these the software programs that tie all these things together. So like game over, we did it to ourselves, we lost. So let's just like I don't know, enjoy it or get over it or something with a little bit of like, you know, so they know everywhere you've been. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it and they the- cataloged all your sins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, something like that. That's cool. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Greg has the intro song, Mike. Mm-hmm. About 15 minutes in, we have the I Want song. How would that <laughs> yeah. go? Uh, it's it's One of the leads is a phone, and it's like, I just want to be your friend, but I'm going to steal everything about you. And so they're fighting against what they're designed to do. 
Defoe oh. wants to be your friend. They just want to be your friend. Unfortunately, he cannot. They just keep to. eating right. all your personal information. But I do tell the CIA where you go. <laughs> all right, we have time for one more. And if I roll the dice, whose turn is it? Mike, you're starting it out. It's a creature feature. Mm-hmm. Cool. Of uh, Miss Americana, the Taylor Swift documentary. Okay. So we start and she is just writing songs. But then the power of her guitar awakens something deep within the- Why would the she play that guitar? She, I bet she knew that was going to those Tennessee. monsters. It's a cursed guitar, am I right? Yeah. Oh, and she scra- and I'm assuming she scratches her hand on it, which lets in a little bit of evil. I and bet then- Elvis was murdered by that guitar. Ooh. Everything she sings becomes real. And most of okay. she sings in this world about giant monsters. <laughs> also, Diet Pepsi. Well, and I mean, but so, okay, so this is good, Mike. Everything she sings becomes real, right? And this is a woman who, like, mostly sings about how, like, she's been kind of fucked over. Yeah. And so how long until she's writing songs called, like, you know, you, kept, you, just, you just caught on fire? Yeah. And it's just... And then it does. So it's <laughs> oh, yeah, for like... the little death note in there? Yeah. <laughs> if you touch my ass, you'll die... Yeah, no. the, the actual right. big bad is who's that fucking dirtbag manager shooter McGavin? The old Taylor <laughs> can't come to the phone anymore. She's, she's I can't believe the same, the same guy tried to crush Happy Gilmore and Taylor Swift. <laughs> yes, he's a monster. What a career! All right, guys, uh, those were all fucking like terrible. I'm, uh, I, I don't think they're going to buy any of those. When we come back, more of Lovers Rock. Well, that is very very funny. Or very sad and perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic and perhaps we have something to think about but in any event i'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to so why not check us out on the social media you can go to instagram or twitter and find us at your pop filter email contacts at your pop filter hey everybody keep watching them movies all right guys we are back to talking about Lovers rock. We get little glimpses of a dozen or so characters, which I think is exactly how a party works. Like, that might be the most party thing about it is like, oh, I know a little bit about 12 people tonight. Mm-hmm. But our main focus is Martha and Franklin. What do you guys think about their interaction, them individually, and how they interact? Do we buy them ending up together? Oh well, okay. What do we mean by ending up together? Because I think that the way this movie ends, you know, it's like, basically the last episode of Sopranos. Like, w- go to black. Like, yeah, you don't know what's gonna happen. It's a little Romeo and Juliet ish. Not the end of the at the end of it, but, but like when they part in the middle of it. You know, what satisfaction can't I have tonight? Like, she like runs back up, goes into her room, and it's like this very like spring themed room with flowers and birds and everything and, and crosses and crosses right for sleeping so i could re- i could really see it being like you know they never really see each other again you know kind of like what, i never even considered sunset. that and now i'm fucking pissed at greg but 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 that's like whether or not this is the beginning of a relationship that lasts forever or it's just that one magical night when we only have access to the night we still have to say they have the most beautiful night from the moment they mm-hmm. see each other. They are thunderstruck and then they can't like pull themselves from each other. They have a whole relationship in one night where they pull away a little bit. They battle mm-hmm. a little bit. They come together again. They never really get to have sex because this movie points out 
that not actually having sex is right. usually way sexier than having yeah. sex. Because there's a while in the dance floor where everybody's like slow dancing. It looks like they are just fucking against the Dude. wall. Yeah. And that is so much, like you said, so much more sexy than disappointing each other or being like a little awkward and like, oh, oh I don't know what to do now because you don't have sex. <laughs> Uh, this is not this movie. Not just makes you miss parties, but this is specific like youth. Yeah, thirty thirty year olds or forty year olds do not go to parties and have this kind of night anymore. This is when you can fall in and out of love in a single night, and that's goddamn magical. And it it's it's like yeah, I think you said so much there, Mike, because it's it's not just the like oh, do I like you? Do I not like you? Will we have sex? I don't know. But it's the uh, the security. You know, like there's a part where uh, Franklin pulls Martha close. And then, like, they just, they're holding each other. Mm-hmm. And then they just know that, like, I don't have to do that fucking dance on the dance floor anymore of, like, peacocking, you know? Yeah. And all other fucking awful, awful guys in the room get the fuck away. Because even though Martha doesn't, like, doesn't need to be spoken for, you know, uh, Martha is going to stand next to Franklin for right now, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, they have that thing where, like, this is, this is where the party's at right now. What, what's interesting about when they meet is that she has said no to every other guy who looks at her. She's just there to hang out with Patty, but she can't stop from eyeing Franklin. And he looks so good. Cause Reggie is kind of a dirt bag Reggie. And like the whole movie, I was like, is this their wingman game where one guy looks like an asshole? So the other guy can come I ha- and suave. Wait, I have on, Mike, let's go through, let's go through that plot device. Like who is Reggie? Reg- Reggie is Franklin's friend who starts they- hitting on their cousins. They're cousins. He's- and go, goes up to uh, Martha's friend, Patty, and says, mm-hmm. oh, beef Patty? Like, that's his, his go-to line is, oh, I'm going to call you fat, and I'm going to make you feel like a cow. But, because I like your shit. And, yeah, like, but, it's, yeah, it's that weird dynamic. There's that constant line of, like, I'm commenting on your body, and I'm doing it in a way that's kind of insulting, but also mm-hmm. kind of supposed to be a compliment to you. That is just, like, within every interaction in this mm-hmm. that you get... So like you're only you're only her for that one night and you're fucking tired of it by like 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah, like. I know, dude. <laughs> she and has to deal with it every single moment of every day. What what led me to believe it is not a bit they were doing so Franklin can look suave cuz he is not the douchebag Reggie is is when Franklin and Martha go into dance, Reggie and Patty and Patty's a good friend at this point. She's like, "I'll I'll hang out with this guy and let's let's try to talk." And she so obviously doesn't want to hook up and he goes, "Then why are you here?" And I'm like, "Oh, it was not a bit. Reggie sucks." Yeah. yeah. Reggie's a bad dude. Like. But like I mean, that's the thing is like that's as many awful things as this uh movie shows us about like how dudes are at parties. It does ultimately show us Franklin who like understands that those ways of being aren't going to work. It's mm-hmm. not just like, oh, I'm looking for the girl who this is going to work on. It goes further than that is I'm looking for the girl who this will not work on. And that's how Martha sort of stands out as a main character is like, I see through all of your guys' right. bullshit. And what I do like about Franklin, because he is not like a Mary Sue, is that he also later, she's like, Patty left. And he says, beef Patty? And it's like, oh, you are also an idiot 20-year-old. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can't stop yourself from making that dumb joke. I do have to say, though, that's a very Mike. complicated move that he's doing there, though, because to he, he insults her friend, but at the same time, he says, like, it was the two of you, and for me, it was you. 
Like I, I'm, I was interested in you. I walked up to the two of you, not because it was two of you, but because of you. And so by, even though he's insulting her friend, he's also saying like, I value you. And that I thought was just like a very interesting sort of like, you know, move. I didn't do that thing where I was like, Oh, whichever one is fine. Yeah. You know, you just like aim for the middle and you're just going to like, and because like everybody sees that coming from a mile away. And that's like kind of what the other two are going through. Patty and uh, the, the cousin is that they're, they're both obviously the remainder. (laughs) And so they're both bitter about that. But the other thing that Franklin does is apologize for his idiot uh, alpha cousin. Yeah. In a way that's like believable. It's like, Fuck, man! I know that most of the guys at the party act like this person that I'm standing next to, and I'm sorry for that. And I'm not going to act like that. And I will probably slip up a couple times, and I may say things that are like similar to that. But I'm not like I'm not going to call you beef, Patty. The first opportunity I have. Also, I feel like the like when he walks into the the frame, I feel like the audience sees him the way she does. Like mm. he like it, his shirt is perfect. He's like such a good looking guy. You have seen good-looking people all throughout this movie so far. He is, like, the best-looking person yeah. in the entire universe of this movie. And it is, like, so arresting when you see him that I that's a really effective moment because it's, like, I feel like you're seeing him through her eyes in that mm-hmm. moment. And you just it, know right away, like, ooh, this is different. It's a very natural version of when a movie, when, like, when Jennifer Love Hewitt walks into Can't yeah. Wait. And the, it slows down and everybody stops talking. This <laughs> right. is such more of a natural. It's because I mentioned can't really wait. Ron got angry. It's just a good go to any <laughs> movie where the hot person walks in down the, some the, stairs, the, down some stairs, and the movie Zack Snyder's in like just slows down and looks at them. <laughs> this did this in a, in such a naturalistic way to let you know this is how Martha is reacting to Franklin showing up. Fuck you, Ryan. <laughs> Okay, honestly, like uh, I'm gonna cut this short because a lot of what I want to talk about now with the characters is going to get a little dicey. So why don't we do the Hall of Fame right now, and then we'll uh, I don't know make the third dice it up. Longer. Yeah, let's dice it up. So we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, the Hall of Fame. the pop filter hall of fame that's right you fucking favorite person of mine you hosted that fucking hall of fame tram god damn it i love you and i think that you should get employee of the year more often how have you guys (laughs) gotten at least two or three employees of the year each and that hall of fame tram driver has gotten zero i think it's because i play the political game you know don't play the hair Played the game. Ten I said those words. Okay. So and 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 he he is the salt of the earth, the tram driver. But it's it's not the shiny podcast host like Greg. Yeah, a sexy golden god. Gentlemen, you guys know how this works, but I will explain it real quick. We're all going to bring up a nominee for the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. After that, we have two votes each. So some people may not make it. In fact, all people may not make it. Here we go. Mike, are you ready for this? I am. Also, very important. 
Make sure that you give a one to nine minute speech before mentioning their name or any information about them before you say them. It should have, yeah, one slight clue about who they are. Art is defined. (laughs) Democracy. Uh, I don't know if this is too new, but I want to get in while the getting is good. Uh, I think one of the most talented directors working out there right now. Who could it I, be? Who could it be? No, she has cast a spell on us. And if you go back to her early work, it's obvious that it's all been building up to this. Uh, I'm putting my money on Kelly Reichardt right now. Is this Tina Fey? It's Tina Fey. <laughs> Tina Fey's already in there. As bro. Kelly Reichardt, the director of First Cow. Yeah, Kelly, that that, that is a good choice in terms of pure raw talent the only the thing that i think would cost her honestly and it's through no fault of her own is that i've seen this one movie of hers personally and so it's like i would just feel i would just feel like i know it's and it's my fault like it's and so it's it's no slight against her but it it's an integrity issue if we're just like Mm -hmm. if i am sight unseen or sight barely seen you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm banking on that first cow knocks your socks off so much. It did. I mean, it's my favorite movie from 2020. So like it, it, it is such a good movie. It absolutely did. But like, I don't not only did we not grow up with our movies, did we have we seen any of our other movies? You know, like, Mike, like, yeah. are you basing this on other films that you're in love with? I Again, I, I've seen Night Moves, her I've worst movie, first cow and uh, as I mentioned on the first cow episode, I have seen the trailer to Wendy or Lucy okay. so many times that <laughs> <laughs> I feel Kelly like Riker is your first nominee. Greg, who's up next? So this is someone who we know a little bit better, but is still a powerful, dynamic woman. I'm going to go with Fiona Apple. When we were talking about Fiona Apple uh, a, a couple weeks ago, I realized that. Um, I don't know if I have any other musical artist that like I listened to in 1997 and still listen to now and like you're, eagerly you're still not await corn these days. <laughs> <laughs> not corn, not Metallica, but even good bands like Pink Floyd. I don't listen to the Beatles as much as I I used to. If the Beatles came out with a new album, I might not check it out day one. But like I'm aware of what of when Fiona Apple is going to come mm. out with music like down the road uh, and. She's gotten me through like several hard times. And again, I, I've said it so many times, but when they said her album was coming out, it, that was like the first good thing to happen in such a long time. It felt like in 2020. And so there it is. It's hard for me to remember 2020 before Fetch the Bolt Cutters yeah. out, came out. And like, did I, did I think when I knew that it was coming out, oh, that'll be the best album of the year. Nope. Now yes. I know that it is. You texted me okay. <laughs> before we heard it. Before it even came out. <laughs> but because the either wheel had struck us so hard as like a, a group. And if you are a movie of the year listener who only listens to the movie episodes, then maybe you missed the uh, the drama of the best album of the year where we all got into screaming matches about how great Fiona Apple was. And it was half of us. Nobody screaming. disagreeing with anybody. Just <laughs> yes. people screaming. At each- <laughs> half of us screaming that she's a 10 and the other half screaming. No, she's 10.5. Uh, that's uh, that's a crazy one. All right, guys, here we go. You ready for the list? <clears throat> list. TV Funhouse. Let's see if you guys can guess. Schmeigel. Schmeigel. The Office. Eastbound and Down. Kroll Show. Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Rick and Morty. Lady Dynamite. Another Period. Comedy Bang Bang. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You're the Worst. The Simpsons. Silicon Valley. The Good Place. 
Modern Family, Veep, Big Mouth, Reno 911, Harley Quinn, and Bob's Burgers. Alice now that's Jones. That's casting a li- director Allison Jones. Casting director Allison Jones should probably be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But uh, that's sort of the list that I read every time we do Hall of Fame because all of our favorite actors are just always all on the same shows. Um, this person was on all of those shows. But if I had to like, sort of separate him from that, then I would just say pancakes. I would just say uh, that is uh, an aggressive amount of pancakes. It's an upsetting amount of pancakes. It's an upsetting right? amount of pancakes. An upsetting amount of pancakes. <laughs> uh, even if you don't listen to Andrew Daly on podcasts and you don't know all of his amazing characters, I think that just by watching all the TV shows that we watch, you're like, holy shit, he will grace every single show that I know and love by being it, on it. It's so weird to have such a powerhouse talent in such a milk toast body. <laughs> but goddamn also, does he do it. I feel like, you know, like the the world currently is like going absolutely crazy for Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Ted Lasso is kind of just copying Andy Daly's style That's that an he, Andy Daly character for yeah, sure. Yeah, like that but, he's been doing for like 15 years at this point. With far less darkness. That's why the world liked it, is because we didn't find out Ted Lasso eats children at night. <laughs> like, because that's the Andy Daly version. Well, that that's the, the issue is Ted Lasso is ultimately a comedy for the people, and a lot of what Andy Daly does, especially review, is comedy for comedy nerds. Mm-hmm. And so you're it's always going to get so aggressive and upsetting, because that's who comedy nerds really are at the end of the day. <laughs> aggressive and upsetting people. <laughs> and- and this is sort of like who I love putting in the Hall of Fame. And unfortunately, we already have Catherine Hahn in there. Otherwise, I would have picked her. But the people who like, no matter it, what show they're on, now it's a far better show. Like this episode is way better because this person came on. Yeah. And Andy Daly definitely has that. Oh, man. It's probably time for a rewatching of Review. Yes. I, I'm just realizing because like there that show was always funny but the first maybe like four episodes of that show are probably about as funny as four episodes of any tv show and that's what the, the pancake one i think is in the fourth episode and it's just like the premise is already so established by then <laughs> and it's just like it hasn't gone so absurd to where it's kind of like you're bracing yourself while mm-hmm. watching it but yeah just the escalation from 15 pancakes to 30 pancakes, <laughs> 30 pancakes after he <laughs> already ate the 15 <laughs> And it's really is so many. It's like three tables worth of pancakes. And then, like on top of that, to have like uh, sixteen episodes for the third season from Comedy Central, like oh, we'll pay for them. But in the second episode or third episode of the third season, for somebody to say, "Quit your show," and then it's just over. Like, yeah. And they didn't pay him three for episodes. All, they didn't pay him for all those episodes. He yeah. just. He has the comedic integrity to go, this is funnier than making comedic <laughs> integrity. It really is weird. The third season's three episodes. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. We have three entrants here. You only get two votes. It's Kelly Reichert, Fiona Apple, and Andy Daly. We're starting with Kelly Reichert. Mike, what is your vote? No. Greg? It's not a talent thing. Obviously, she's so exceptionally talented. One day, we'll, we'll watch her movies quickly and then vote for her again. I fully believe that we're going to do movie of the year episodes of the year for Wendy and Lucy and the year for Meek's Cutoff. Yeah. And like, she's going to be in here, but it's going to be no. Mike, Fiona Apple. Baffling. She's not already in there. Yeah. Course. Fiona Apple is one of those where you like keep scanning the document. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. Greg? Yes, definitely. A hundred times yes. And I am voting yes. Fiona Apple is in. So we all have three votes available. 
you don't have to vote. But what you're saying is, uh, I have an extra vote, and I will not vote for Andy Daly. Yeah. Mike, where are you that, going? That would be the Andy Daly move. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, of course. Again, baffling. He's not in there. Greg? Yeah, it's such a good one. It's like an, it's such an exciting choice. I am yes. Congratulations am yes. to Fiona yes. Apple and Andy <laughs> Daly, two new members of the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. I do not know where the three of us would be without these two people. When we come back, more of Lover's Rock. Maybe more than the music, maybe more than the food and the beer. The driving force for Lover's Rock are the boys and girls. We'll get to the attempted rape in a minute, but how and why? Hold your horses. Is Steve McQueen is Steve McQueen showing us that girls party like this, whereas boys party like this? And like, in a lot of ways, this is the same question as the first question. But I think that this movie is such a perfect depiction of a house party for good or for ill mm-hmm. that it deserves two segments. So like how are like, we talked about the music and the stuff earlier, but like, what about the fact that like girls are like, yeah. And boys are like, hello. The, the girls are having fun, but there's always a tension there. And it's rare. We see a female character walk off alone. And there's a fucking reason for it where the dudes are often want to be alone for those reasons that the girls do not want to be alone. Like even the quote unquote good guys, Nobody wants it because you don't know. So many of these people don't know each other, but the guys will like do a lap alone because that's what they're here for. And the girls are there to dance and party and have a good time. Yeah, it's just like they're there to do something other than just like this weird conquest. mm -hmm. Like even the like you the something you don't see women do in this movie or in real life is just like stand by the dance floor right dudes why are we just standing by the dance floor if you're not dancing go away what are you doing just like surveying the dance floor that's so aggressive and awful and it happens every every place you go dance there's just dudes who press themselves up against a wall and just stare at people dancing that's not what that's for right it's not like they're so tired their faces are so gross yeah, it's they're predators and they're yeah. constantly looking at everybody and trying to figure out is there somebody they can take, take down basically. Yeah, Here's yeah the weakest off. lamb. And even even we love Mercury Sound. We're chanting of course, the name Mercury the Sound. Sound. But even yeah. Samson throughout throughout the movie is saying, "Ladies, show them what you're here for." Like it, it it is part of the culture and part of like at least the dudes keep trying to make it part of the culture while the women are like, "We're here for us." Well, let me get this out of the way real quick before we move on. Does Martha succumb to Franklin just so she can avoid the rest? Do you guys believe in Martha and Franklin, or do you think that Martha's like, well, let me just like... Franklin's- oh, no. I believe in them yeah. so much, how, I how, have yeah. to say. Do you know, do you I believe know? in that night, at least. I believe right. in them in that, that night. That one night. Them yeah. sharing the joint on the bicycle as the sun is right. rising. Oh, my God. And how happy they both look. Oh That's God. how you know it's not bullshit, man. And yes. her... Her face, like, uh, she, it looks like William in Almost Famous, where he puts on the headphones as he goes to bed at the end of the movie. Like, what a wild three months I've had. She has that same smile at the end you, of one night. You brought it up, so I just have to talk. Like, this movie is one hour long, and it's basically perfect. But the transition from the shot of inside the house party, that those warm colors, to the cool colors of them on that bike, and that shot, and the action, and the way they're framed in it, that is the most beautiful thing I think I've ever seen in our time in this show. I mean, it, it is the movie poster, and the whole movie takes place at night, but the movie poster yeah. is daytime on a bicycle, and... 
no, like the only way that you're going to like reckon with the joy that this movie brings is to show that picture of them at, during the during the morning on that bike. And I, you can't like to watch the movie. You can't help but believe in that. Like you can't. Mm-hmm. And so if you believe in that, then you at least believe in the two of them on that night. In the same way, like before midnight, you know, like yeah. they're at least there for each other, and their bodies are aching for each other, and they're emotionally invested in this person that they they hardly even know their last name. Like, but so like I am a big believer in that for sure. Their love is I a just, real thing. I just got a little nervous that like. In real life, and you know, this is seventy minutes of real life. That uh, basically, they didn't they didn't fall in love. They just found the person who was not like the least terrible. You know, but like they found the person who was. So many people at the party aren't doing that, and Martha was not there for that. That I think she could have, like, right? She Patty left because Martha was actually falling for Franklin, not because and Patty like, got stuck with Reggie, the guy who said just a Patty. real chud, just a real chud of a boy, but. It, it's Martha could have stayed with Patty and left with her, but it's because she was actually into Franklin's shit. I, I don't, I don't see a false note in, in these two kids. I'm not no. saying that like that Patty has like you know like romantic feelings for Martha, but Patty definitely went to that party, spent all week being excited about it, right. so that she could hang out with Martha, and then the. The biggest bummer thing in the world happened, which was she got totally abandoned at a party yeah. that she knew nobody. She didn't know anybody. I, there. I, Neither one of them did, and they, they were supposed to about the party, <laughs> right? It's a house party, man. They're like, like the word gets out, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Like uh, invitations get out. I mean, the other yeah. thing too is Cynthia, the person who does almost gets raped, also is in the room with like she doesn't really have a love connection that night. Mm-hmm. Like she's trying to feel everything from the party. You know, she's got mm-hmm. the red dress. Well, and she wants she to also. Hook up. Right. She wants to be she, the star. Yeah. She wants to be the object of everybody's attention. And, and she's supposed to be because she's 17 and it's her birthday. Right. It's, but it's they, just... they, they are all young, but she is clearly, the, she's the only age they mentioned, but she is turning 17 that day. And so her her idea of what it means to be ha, get that male attention and, and be uh, an object of lust is that like glamorous, innocent version. And then right. she gets the darkest version of it. She's not just looking for male attention. I mean, she no, no, she wants everybody's attention, yeah. attention you know. And, and that's yeah. I feel so bad for her just because like that's that is the story of everybody's birthday, really. Like she has obviously the worst ever, right. but like it, everybody wants the attention so much that it turns them into kind of like a monster. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Or I mean, not like a monster, but like not a monster, uh, but like well, no, she like, ruins her. She's she besides bathing in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like bathing a little too much and then not noticing the things around the spotlight. Mm-hmm. But like she is, she shit talks Martha because Martha is also getting looks on the dance floor, and that makes her angry because she is the birthday girl. So like, yeah, birthdays bring out the worst in people. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, they're they are two beautiful young women who showed up at another at another young woman's birthday party uninvited, and I mean, the men everywhere around them notice. Like they get into the party for free, and so like they really do. They are they're attracting a lot of attention. All right, so much of this movie is men bothering women. Sometimes we see downright harassment and assault. Besides reminding us that men are poison, what else is this movie saying about microaggressions and aggression aggressions? We do have to talk about the fact that... I'm just going to... If you have not seen Lover's Rock yet, uh, the, guy with the, the, the guy with the suit and the fro drags Cynthia, the birthday girl, out to the yard. Martha finds them. Uh, she is about to get raped. Martha throws a lit cigarette at him. He gets very upset. Uh, and then Martha has no choice but to pull broken glass to his throat. Mm-hmm. 
and then yeah. uh, Martha's amazing in this yeah. scene because she's so scared. You can tell, but she's like too scared not to intervene. Also, and then knows that Franklin's not there yet. Right? You know, like I um, I have to pull this glass because Franklin's not here right now. Then Franklin comes out, and Franklin and the guy go face to face, and then they go back in, and then they just party. That's and like lot. the 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 like attempted rapist becomes like the focus of a lot of like the ritualistic like yeah, the, the, male the, yelling and it was so interesting because that part of the party one I miss that kind of party that fun punk aggressive part of the party and it, it's by having Bammy be that focus it's like oh is all of this a little worrisome and scary like if he was not there could it just be this is a connective right. thing but because he's there and fully in it with them and kind of the front of the yelling is it letting us know like this should always be a worrisome moment at a party well it the two things seem connected right i mean he, you see his act of sexual violence mm-hmm. um and then it goes right into this act of what wouldn't otherwise seem like troubling violence right. but because like you said but because of his part of it it seems like more than just venting it seems like a continuation of the right. the sexual assault that he was just committing but i don't know guys like we've been at house parties and like this shit happens all the time and the parties do not end and you know like uh, i i've heard that steve mcqueen had, has gotten a lot of shit for one not making his party representative representative enough like there wasn't enough like uh, German people and Dutch people at the party. So <laughs> is that true? Yes, the movie is bunk because it's not representative enough. And two, do they mean wait? I'm sorry. Do they mean white German and Dutch people, or or like people of color who are from those countries? No, I have to assume it was the first one. Uh, the second thing that it got shit for is <laughs> white that, people are wild. Why, why are you making this movie about a West Indy community <laughs> yeah. and just make it about the West Indy community? What are you doing here? There's some white people in there. Don't you guys remember? <laughs> The second thing that he got shit for was that uh, everybody in the party who was good, quote unquote, didn't draw a line and say, like, you must leave or we will beat you. We will kill you or we will call the cops because you did this bad thing. The night just moves on. Right. And I have to, to say, me, I have never been to a party where we all drew a line. And I've been to a billion parties where the night moves on. Well, so, to so me, long. it's not it's not a, it's not like a critique of the of the movie in a way where it's like that's not real it's not a critique of the movie where it's like you know you're not supposed to show that it's honestly it's just a you can't you can't experience this movie without experiencing that part of it and that is the the point and so we're doing the work now of, of talking about that because i think part of the point of the movie is yeah that's fucked up huh and then ryan like what you said about like real world parties like yeah, we have to reckon with this that we've done a shitty job, and we've Why done a shitty job really? in the set, making guys go home. I guess from parties when they're sexually assaulting people, but we've done a shitty job in that these microaggressions are leading to this. The fact that you can just catcall these women on the bus, the fact that you can just grab them. There's so much grabbing women in this movie slash this planet, and it's like very tiring at this point to watch a man because he wants to a woman's attention grab her arm even yeah. if it's like kind of gently don't fucking touch yeah. people if you're not like permitted to do it and i think we're this isn't condemning the movie it's continuing the conversation that the movie starts yeah the the, 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 the people complaining uh, and, and critiquing steve mcqueen for that want like 
pure black and white justice. They don't want a thoughtful movie that's dealing with the real world and real scenarios. Go watch and, the black and white Justice League. <laughs> yeah, Justice is gray, bitches. <laughs> and, uh, and I think the movie, the reason we sit on Reggie because we do. So we get we get the bus cat calls, and then we we get them like random people grabbing and dancing. And then we get the rapist. Reggie, I think, is very important in between to show that escalation. If you allow this behavior, you allow this behavior. This is this is the slippery slope that's real and that conservatives do not freak out about. But this is the actual real slippery slope of what, what it means to have rape culture, right? And yeah. it's just the dudes literally on the prowl hunting. Because Cynthia wanted to hook up with Bammy, but not in the way he wanted to do. And then so right. it turned violent. Yeah. Yeah. Mike. Yeah, and because I mean, the violence for him is the point. Yes. That's the thing. Like that, the, there is as much sexuality out there as, as you could possibly want. But what he wants is the violence, mm-hmm. and he wants it to be sexualized violence. Right. I mean, Martha, like, because Martha is our heroine. I expected her and Bammy's mm-hmm. relationship to be very limited, but uh, they talk for a second, and then she has to shove him out of the bathroom because he was ready to just yeah force his way in there and just i don't know and what that's was their happen. second interaction i think she sees his shit instantly the way he prowls and based on how she reacts to him immediately and then it quicks to draw the blade and gets thrown in it's showing you like we're we're, we're led to believe martha is like the, like she has the church going home and all that but like i think she's been cynthia how she acts throughout the movie lets us know that she has that past uh, yeah. yeah and un- unfortunately like that is way more likely than oh, not, yeah. even if we don't see signs of it, right? Even if we haven't seen the movie yet. We can yeah. just assume. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, it's speed around. Unfortunately, I uh, I didn't do a lot of work for speed around because I like this question too much. What does religion hanging over the film have to do with the tone? We see a uh, guy carrying a cross in the beginning, a guy carrying a cross at the end. When we're at the party, there's almost no crosses, but when we're not at the party... There's a lot of crosses. We also uh, didn't talk a lot about the fact that when they veer too far from the house, there are white people making gorilla noises mm-hmm. at them. Yeah, they're like, or, or just like they like when he takes her to his place of work, and then suddenly like uh, his boss comes in, and he's like, the boss like rapid fire says like eight things that are not even like is that kind of racist he just comes in and he's like yeah. darting them with racism like 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 really quick succession but it was crazy because it's like uh man i really appreciate you as an employee please don't bring girls to like i i'm not like the other white guys okay thank you boy yeah, yeah. Thanks, boy uh, and the first thing he says is like you know you're hard to see because it's very dark in here <laughs> it's like uh, man oh cool yeah. nice to see you boss like <laughs> yeah yeah i think these two things are intertwined that racism and religion pen them in so the reason the reason the house party goes off the way it does in all the positive ways is like god damn it here we can be free together because out out there there are all these rules self-imposed or other people imposed to to saying we have to be like this and yeah just trying to get some degree of freedom and honestly being the same like how important is it that she's not she doesn't have special shoes she has her church mm-hmm. shoes that mm-hmm. she's wearing right like she is this same person there we have this idea that like we are different right. people in different situations and that gives us a lot of like dissonance when we think like what am i the good girl or am i the party girl and it's we Cody all is not are... just like the the way you talk but it's also literally the shoes that you wear mm-hmm. yeah yeah and like we're we all have these identities that seem to, to be dissonant 
with each other. And you can see it causing her literal pain. When she yeah. turns around and looks at the bus and she sees that guy carrying that cross, you can tell that she like has this wave. She's such a great actress. She has this wave of guilt. And to get herself like out of it, she turns to Patty and she hits her on the arm and tries to buck Patty up. Like, oh, isn't this yeah. fun? Aren't we having fun here? But she feels yeah. it. She can feel it. And 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 they're all like there's things hinted at in ta- her talks with CT and then her mom waking up for church that that she lives in an abusive home and it yeah. I think that they say something about her dad works at a church or is a minister and so it's all wrapped in towards towards violence there as well. If it's not abusive, right. it's definitely strict. And well, no, I, CT no, says I mean, how, her... how many times are you and your mom again yeah. beat before you walk out? Oh, sorry. And part of why right. he's mad, he's like. You're at the church all the time, but you can't come to my mom's funeral, which is at a church. Like, but I I do think of when I watch this movie, I think of the cross a little bit like the white people, and I'm not comparing. I know the white people are worse, but the white people present this barrier of like you cannot leave this party mm-hmm. or you're gonna get fucked with. I think of the cross a little bit like that. Like it, you you get to go to this house party and be away from the cross as well. Yeah, and yeah. Then when for you sure. return home, you have to. This is actually. Believe it or not, not the only 2020 movie in the bracket that is going to deal with people carrying crosses. So that's going to be fun to compare. Next, Speed Round, American Graffiti, Days to Confused, Can't Hardly Wait, Book Smart. Is this very clearly the best one-night party movie of all time? Yeah, because yeah, sure. to watch the party get constructed, like the documentary style that uh, McQueen has is just so like so effective because you, you watch this party get built like it's like he makes you feel like you can smell the cooking in, yes. in the kitchen he yeah, makes it absolutely. feel like you can like feel the, the air off the walls the, yeah the, yeah and, and it's like how are you doing this i'm just watching a movie and but it is it's like those vr goggle things it's like i'm being put there we, this we, is it 40 universal studios filmmaker <laughs> We simultaneously get less time with each character than we do with the characters in those movies, but know more about them. They're not stock archetypes. Like, and I love all those movies, but they are stark archetypes. Yeah. You know what? After watching this, I hate all those movies. I hate all the movies now where they're like, well, this uh, table, they, they hate, like, these are the goths, and these, like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Just put me in the middle of the situation. We'll figure it out. Let the, the audience yes. figure out who everybody is and how they relate. I just want to slow dance. Man, the the the, uh, the adults are right to tell us not to slow dance. <laughs> this movie proves that slow dancing is dirty. I don't know how much time I have left in the speed round, but have we talked about silly games at all? Just the song? No, not no, a, not a not. bit. A tough song, uh, a very high song to be to like put a whole movie around. I did yeah. read that the author of the song made that note that height so girls would have something to shoot for, like. Uh-huh. <laughs> All of these girls who have terrible lives, they can try to hit that note. Uh, watching it for the second time, it made me think about the fact that I don't know if... I don't know. Is Silly Games like a big, important song? Like, was it a popular song? No no idea. But in this world, the way that they're singing in the kitchen and that the moment of community there is beautiful. And then the whole room to acapella for that long. Oh, it my God. It made me sort of think that like this one house picked a song. You know, yes. like all groups of friends, they pick a song and it, for them, yeah. the games. And the that, Menzingers, the obituaries, sure. The Menzingers, <laughs> the obituaries. All right, final song, Outfit Draft. Which outfit of all these characters are you taking in the first round, Greg? 
Oh, uh, it's got to be Franklin's uh, outfit. Like, I think a lot of them in- intentionally look bad. His he looks like Winston so... from New Girl. Yes, dude, and like it, he's like it's it's perfect on his body. It's mm. just man, it's such a good looking shirt. The, like red squares, blue squares. It, it, the pattern is such of like a '90s skating rink or arcade yes. carpet. In the best I think if you way. just saw it on a dummy. Like if you just saw it like on a hanger, you'd be like, "This thing is hideous." And then you put it on him, and you're like, "Wow, that's magic!" It's just like it's perfect. Mike, I know you hate Fammy Bammy. What's his name? Bammy. Bammy. But uh, is that the your guy that did or? a rape? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't like that guy. His suit is great, but no, the, the the shirt that that I covet if I can't choose Franklin is in in the. Uh, wall pounding scene there's a few people who stand out and one guy is also in a black shirt but the, the way that his flowers and roses twist that there's the floral mm. pattern he wears it's fucking dope and other people rip their shirts off and you can tell he's like i'm hot but this shirt is too good to <laughs> yeah. rip off right now <laughs> gotta wear this next week all right gentlemen uh those awards or i'm sorry those uh, outfits are in the mail going to your house when we come back uh outfits i'm sorry awards as we talked about before the Oscars nominated The Trial of Chicago 7 for six awards. Nominated Mangrove for zero. And, of course, Lover's Rock for zero. Guys, why don't we give Lover's Rock five awards? We're going to start with Most Irie Moment, Mike. Why don't you explain this award to us? Uh, yeah, Mike. Share. <laughs> from, from what I gather, is I, Irie is, is Jama- a Jamaican slang word for everything's good, everything's all right. It can be a greeting. Uh, but it's also like everything's copacetic. It's what you want it to be. So just the, the I'm going to guess that this award means like the me- the what what moment had the best feeling slash most like West Indie Jamaican feeling. Blend that all together. And I, I do think that if we watch this movie in 1997 or 2025, it might be different. But the fact that we haven't been to a party in so long, you know, like that is. Uh, okay, so Greg, what is your award for most irie moment? So I took most irie moment to be specifically having to do with the consumption of marijuana. So there's a lot of smoking pot in this movie, and it's just obviously like very casually done. But there's a part where they cut to the backyard, and there's a couple, and uh, they are smoking a joint together in such a way where he has the joint like in his mouth. Mm. He has the lit part in his mm. mouth, and he's drawing off it, and she's drawing off the end, which you can do if you like practice enough. And then they shotgun each other, and then they just start making out hardcore, and then the yeah. camera pans around to a guy taking a hit from a badly clogged bong. Uh, and then he just goes, uh, he, he just goes like, jaw, at the end of that. <laughs> and it's like, that is that is the most, for me, the most iry moment of this entire movie. That's pretty good, Mike. What do you got? Uh, my mine the most iry is in the beginning, and this is my favorite part of any party uh, because of my uh, the way my brain and social anxieties work. Is they're doing the sound checks. the The women are making the curry. They're chopping everything up, and they're singing. And Samson's sort of dancing in and out. But it's just like this beautiful moment of all there is is positive vibes and anticipation for how yeah. great this night could be. And and having that, like, there will be different forms of community throughout the night, but th- these core four or five people interacting, this is it, man. Okay, so that's a good party moment, Mike. But I do think I have to give it to Greg for the Greg. the joint joint, the Lady of the Tramp jointing. <laughs> yeah. And leading right into making out. That's the... That was the time I most missed being young when they did that. I was like, oh, man, being young. <laughs> Most beautiful moment, and I gotta say, I, 
I think this might be the first time we've ever given out this award, but this feels like the perfect movie. Maybe a Miyazaki movie could have gotten this award, but this feels first like the movie. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what is the most beautiful moment of this movie? There, there's a lot of them, yeah. but <laughs> the, I think the one that get in the minute in the beginning of the show, Greg said he almost cried. And the part that I felt it the most is how long we sit in the room. And this is the, the most communal moment that doesn't have any rough edges is silly games reprise where Mercury sound cuts the soundtrack and the room just sings for so much longer <laughs> than you think they can. Can I, uh, here, Mike, I'm going to give you a point, but can I just tell you, Mike. like, as the host of the show, like, how hard it was to bring up the Silly Games moment without just having the question be like, right? <laughs> uh, and at, at the end of the year, at the end of the 2020 season, we're going to have Moody's and we have Best Musical Moment. And Go well, ahead, other movies. That's a lock. <laughs> uh, but my God, was this such a thing. There's so much stuff going on in this scene because uh, they're just singing it sort of like in a standard way and then they're just singing the chorus and then they sing a little bit of the verse and then like out of nowhere, a whole bunch of people all at the same time like just all make the same decision which is they're going to start splitting into harmonies mm-hmm. and the harmonies are pretty good and then it kind of gets a little rough as people start trying things. Yeah. But it, even that <laughs> is kind of cool. Even that yeah. is kind of cool. Like this is the whole movie here is that all of these people are coming together and in that moment, the only thing that they have, the, the music has cut out and the only thing that exists in that moment is the community making that music and they make it for each other and they make it with each other and that is like, that's everything. I mean, that is just absolutely everything that all you need is all those other bodies next to you. That's like, I mean, that's not my most beautiful moment, but that is certainly a very beautiful moment. <laughs> and Greg did a lot of my arguing for me. Thank you. <laughs> and also, and this is something that we don't maybe get in our house parties is with no judgment. Just, yeah. just dance and scream and try to hit that note with your heart because there is no... Uh, like alternative force here who's going to be like who came to the club just to fucking think that you're an idiot yeah it's just delight in people's attempts so maybe don't be the way you are at the next party ryan all right <laughs> i was just going to give mike the point before you even went greg but now mike blew it and greg the point is yours what's the most beautiful moment of the movie so there are so many it's crazy uh but i'm gonna pick one that we haven't talked about fully just yet which is uh, the most awful moment of the movie, obviously, is the rape uh, that is is thankfully broken up or, or stopped or whatever you want to say by Martha. And we have seen this this weird simmering tension between Olivia and, and Martha. And Martha comes and she what she yells at is she, she yells like, get off of her, get, get fucking off her. And then she yells at Olivia, comes, uh, she says, uh, come stand by me, sis. And uh, she calls her right to her side. And if you ever see somebody in the world that seems like they are being victimized by somebody, the best thing you can do is go just stand by that mm-hmm. person. And the fact that she says, come stand by me, sis, and like all of that drops away. And these women don't interact again. Like, right. um, it's just, I thought and so. If they, if they interacted before, that is all gone now. That yeah. is all petty bullshit. And, you know, uh, in that moment, Martha is standing up for herself and she's standing up for her mom and she's like just like standing up against all of this shit that has just been like broadcast at her this entire 
movie and you know it, it's she instantly closes ranks she instantly goes to save this woman she does save her and then she says come stand by me and she calls she calls her sis so and part of the part of the reason i love this movie is because uh because it's only 70 minutes and because just from that moment we can probably assume that nobody came from martha mm-hmm. when it happened to martha you know like you could easily assume that and now she's going to be this person not as a superhero but as somebody who's just there to say, come stand by me, sis. All right, Greg gets the point. Loser. Greg. Uh, Whatever. Uh, Integrity first. <laughs> this, is all my, this is always my weirdest one because it's 2020. Uh, cringiest moment. Uh, this is a 2020 movie that's about 1980. Where do we go with this, Greg? Uh, I am going to say that... Um, Everybody's having fun, and it's such a cool mo- uh, movie, and all this cool music's coming on. And then this song Kung Fu Fighting comes on. <laughs> and I have to say, um, the the character of Asian racism is that it's always just a joke, and it's always just fun. And, and this song is just, it's been my whole life that you this song and it's funny and you do the chops. Everyone like kind of lines up like they're going to really do fighting, and everybody does. And I just. And this song was written and recorded by the whitest man of all yeah. time. Yeah. And I just, and maybe we're done with this. I don't think I need this song anymore myself. And and um, it was certainly a product of the time and, 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 and all that stuff. And so I don't mean it as a judgment of the movie, but I just, I don't think I need to hear or sing the song Kung Fu Fighting anymore myself. The thing is, is that like, I totally hear what you're saying, but like they all lock eyes and connect and they get so excited. I know. They have a yeah. lot of and- fun. Racism often brings people together because if you're not in the group that's like being made fun of, it's like, yeah, don't we all love each other? Like racism feels really good when yeah. it's coming from you going some onto somebody else, like from a Those crowd. Those four white boys in khakis yeah, dude. look like they're having fun making monkey noises. They are also having fun together uh, as a group and it's bad. Did you watch this with subtitles? No. Where it yes. says in the subtitles, like makes gorilla noises at yeah. woman. All right, Mike, what is your cringiest moment? Uh... Mine is when I went, oh, this has to happen. Oh, no. Is uh, when Cynthia is dancing with somebody else, she's slow dancing and is making just eyes at Bammy. Like, just locked yeah. eyes on him. I went, no, no, no. And again, so this is a cringe the movie wanted to give me, but I was just like, I could then see the next steps of the, obviously, this is how the movie's going to go. I was like, please don't do that. I do have to give that to Greg. But, Greg. Uh, yeah, ladies. No, I'm not going to tell ladies what to do. Yeah. Uh, your next, uh, <laughs> Gentlemen, here's a little tip from Greg to all the men out there. Don't do rapes. So we have not done a Steve McQueen movie on the show yet. Uh, we we have watched Not together. even Bullet. <laughs> not even Bullet or The Great Escape. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a joke because his name is the same name as a white same actor name. from the 60s. Same name. Sometimes oh, people same name have so. the same name. Same name. Same name. But that also means that we have not talked about 12 Years a Slave or Widows, but now we're talking about Lover's Rock. Mike, what is the Steve McQueen-iest moment of the night? I think what he's so good at doing is taking big genre things and tropes and, and making them specific and, and twisting them. But because we do narrow things, I don't want to just do that. But that is such a, a Steve McQueen great thing. So the whole movie is that. But if I need to dig in and talk about his visual style. You do. Uh, he Well, don't tell me what I should do. But uh, I'm doing this anyway, not because you told me to. Give Greg the point. Fuck off. Uh, he, you boys. I think, I think McQueen 
grabs uh he i think he shows intimacy intimacy so specifically mm. and the way he does it in this movie is uh through the dance scene throughout them but it, one of the early ones it's he focuses on the hands and shoulders and so it, it's not hips grinding yet it's just the the, the beginning of intimacy it's the, just the the different interesting parts of body parts you normally wouldn't think to focus on while dancing and that makes you feel like fully in the room yeah. like it really did feel like he had an iphone at chest level and was just kind of walking around and just focusing on that part of people touching like how people are coming together intimacy through the mundane yes for sure Greg, I would Steve say McQueen moment. Uh, so the the overriding thing would be documentary detail. How does he achieve this documentary detail? Feeling sometimes in the specific, it is extreme close up. And I'm going to go all the way to one very quick shot, and we did talk about it already. But the extreme close up of the of the wall, and you can see like it's textured quality and you can see the sweat coming down sweat, it and, yeah. and then you see the hand pound on it if there is a more enduring image than the two of them on the bike it might just be this hand pounding on the wall because there's something so human and raw and it stands for the collected of consciousness of it because it's the everybody's sweat on the wall and it kind of encapsulates that the the pounding on the ground the pounding on the chest of of that of of that real like ritualistic scene so i'm just going to go with specifically the one i'm going with is the extreme close-up of the hand sweat and wall i think you guys are both you guys are both making the same argument about like where he puts his camera ultimately yeah greg was more specific so i'm gonna give it to greg greg uh pound for pound performance of the movie man this is uh, everywhere 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 and probably a movie that is built for pound for pound but it just has to be hold on before you go i don't know if a host has ever done this (laughs) but i'm gonna say before either one of you go cannot be martha what what does that mean in what world can it be Martha. Okay, well, so if if it cannot be Martha, then it's gonna. I'm gonna give it to Franklin. What is the what's Franklin's name? I had my notes here. Michael Ward. Michael Ward. Uh, thank you. Um, you know the he is trying this whole time to sort of come off as like having a little bit of that bravado without it being overwhelming. Trying to be a gentleman, but honestly, gentleman is like is like nice guy. I mean, in fact, that's even what Bammy says. You know, I'm a gentleman. A gentleman knows how to treat a girl. Oh, Jesus. Um, but it, so he's, if you're not, if you don't have enough bravado, then you're going to like, you're done. Yeah, you, you do have, have to go bravado. in. Yeah, you. I mean, he goes in and he, he like it, it's you have to make the move. You have to make the eye contact. You have to establish that connection so the lightning can flow across it. Uh, and he's doing that and he's balancing all these things. So and he's playing off her. And honestly, I couldn't imagine trying to be in a scene with this actress. Like, man, why am I even trying to act when there's someone who is just like born to do it right here? <laughs> and this is the only time that we see a dude be like, uh, oh, I have met my match. Because every yeah. guy at the party is like, oh, this is just some dumb bitch. I don't care. And I'm he's too like, stupid to know how amazing you are. Right. And I'm interested in this. And then at the same time, Franklin or uh, Michael Ward um, also has to pull off the scene in the garage at the end of dealing with his racist, not racist boss. Yeah, for sure. Mike. So if we're not allowed to give ups to Amara J. St. Aubin, uh, Great I name. don't know the actor's name. Amazing Great, name. Yeah, solid name. <laughs> solid, solid British name. British meets uh, West Indy name. Uh, the bounce. I'm gonna, and I don't want to just talk about Michael Ward. The bouncer, whose name I do not have. In Jabba. Front of me. The character's name is Jabba. 
I cannot Just believe Jabba. you're saying that. So that was Marcus mine for sure. Mike. I'm going to say Marcus Frazier because to to what he does is it's so clear he also wants to just have fun, right? Like, and it, it, later in the night he's with his girlfriend. Yeah. Finally, he can relax. Uh, man, a I love his girlfriend. Uh, but, Hold on, not just his girlfriend. He doesn't just invite like some some girl, some party girl. He's got like the nerdy glasses, yeah. librarian, yeah. clearly like scholastic girl. Obviously, that's how- very cool. Absolutely. So so. Marcus Frazier just found his name because you guys saw the job. So Mark, what he does is you can tell this is like a gentle person who's just happens to be huge and knows how uh-huh. to turn that that's up and down. All ba- that's all bouncers because you can't yeah. be a bouncer and be a big aggressive guy. So yeah. it's always these really big sweeties. If you have no empathy, if you're like down to fight, then you, you're yeah. going to lose your job because you're going to get arrested. You have to be down and, to not fight, but to always seem like if we yeah, do fight, right. though, it's going to really mess you up. So. Like, when when Martha ran out to find Patty and starts getting harassed by the white dudes, right? And he just like this is the he thing. he didn't need to do this, like right? But like he could have been there are he's bigger than them, but there are four dudes, and he just fully like he she has left the protective area of the party yeah. that he has been hired to guard, <laughs> but he's just like fuck that, and probably clocked these guys all day the way the rest of us did when they were setting up. And the other thing too, Mike, is uh, what is good acting. Uh, do two things at once. Do two things at once. <laughs> you can see in Java's eyes. Uh, fuck you and also mm-hmm. i'm not sure I, right. i'm a little scared right now i really hope this goes the way i hope no matter how do, big you are away. four dudes is a lot to yeah, yeah. <laughs> no uh, like i'm gonna give you one more point because uh yeah it is the performance of the movie for sure if you can't pick martha all right gentlemen uh so we have those are the awards when we come back, we're going to see how which of the two of you won the show and how well we think Lover's Rock will do in the bracket. We are out of the award segment, but I forgot. The whole point of the show is, guys, silly goose. people are in quarantine. We have to give recommendations. I'm going to go first. <laughs> Rex in effect. I understand that this movie was not in real time, <laughs> but it felt like it and... There's that magic of real time. So I don't want to look at like rope or I don't know. Phone booth. Uh, snake eyes. Phone booth. Those <laughs> movies that like try to do it. It made me feel like something different. It was uh, before sunset. Yeah. And although that's not necessarily a party, that whole like your your entire life can change. This is everything. Just because of this meeting, this moment, this night, you know, you like sometimes when you're a kid, you can smell it in the night, mm-hmm. you know, like you could just, mm-hmm. I feel like I, 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 I just turned on the radio and this song came on. <laughs> like, it's just all there in the air. It's all happening and, tonight. Uh, Lover's Rock is one of the few movies that gave me that feeling since before sunset, He's, right? Sunset is the second one, right? Before sunrise. Before sunrise. I, I'm talking about before sunrise. Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen, for telling me what's up. Uh, Mike, you really need this point, bro. You have uh, you've really been floundering this entire show. It, uh, you're about to be kicked out. What is your recommendation? Uh, first, I want to say, did anybody order a Love Burger? Well done. Um, <laughs> no, I, so I shouldn't recommend the same thing you just did, even though that's what's clearly written in front of me. <laughs> so if vamp, you vamp. is this two weeks in a row? Because last week I said became a Mrs. Miller mm-hmm. before you said became yes. a Mrs. Miller. So it's clear we have the same thing. So no, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce off and go the whole movie is not like this but there's a moment in this movie that is very similar to the entire vibe of lovers rock uh in black klansman the only time that the uh 
like the black protesters and the, it's the black student union look happy and free is when they are dancing. And this scene goes on longer than you would expect. Oh, and it's shit. when you can see uh, the main character is changing how he views the world is when he is dancing there. I mean, one could argue that the main character of that movie, because of how he directs movies, is Spike Lee. And it's the only time that he changes how he makes movies mm-hmm. and just completely changes the movie. Yeah. Fuck, Mike. Good job on not saying your first thing. <laughs> Off the top of my nog. <laughs> I was thinking of Defied Bloods, too. It's the same thing. You know, like that, like it's almost like that scene that Spike Lee does, the dance scene, turned into mm-hmm. an entire movie. But mine is going to be uh, if Beale Street could talk. Um, uh, the sort of like beautiful um, colors of like the the warm color palette, and the if Beale Street could talk does the same things where like a lot of the clothes are arguably ugly, and a lot of like the fabrics and rooms are arguably ugly, but they form such a beautiful color palette, really. Uh, and that movie is a little bit more the heart then this movie is a little bit maybe more the hips. You know, this movie is a little bit more about like lust and, and about being thunderstruck. And that movie is about like enduring love and partnership. Um, but it has the the same feeling of like being enclosed within something that is based on love. And that is generative in that way. And is literal poetry because the, uh, you know, it's source material Baldwin is, is a poet. So um, if Beale street could talk. Yeah. Just talking about Steve McQueen, Spike Lee and Barry Jenkins right there about how like they all have the same uh, you know uh, sort of the same aims and goals but just go about them in such crazy different artistic ways you know like such such different voices I I don't know this is a good time to be a movie fan I think you know just with them making movies and then Barry Jenkins by the way uh, to take after Steve McQueen is about to make a 10 hour movie TV series. So he's ta- also taking after Steve McQueen in that, like, let's not let people know what the difference is between TV and movies. Ryan, you know what I thought you were going to recommend? Because you brought it up a second ago. Widows. I remember when Widows came out, you were like, everybody go see Widows. And I don't think that got a lot of hype. I don't think oh, anybody took sh- you up on that, but I want to now. Dope. Widows is fucking sick. Yeah. It's really rare that we get a good genre movie, you know, like some some like B movie that's directed by like a master. Like it yeah. ha- it happens maybe once every four years at this it's point. Crazy, because this is the only movie of his that I've seen. So to think that he directed an action movie, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna go check that out. Did you not see Twelve Years a Slave? I did not, no. No, you skipped that I. one? No, yeah, I don't uh, you know. yeah. <laughs> holding hands. Also, uh if you want to feel uncomfortable Watch Shame. Shame is amazing. Yeah, Shame is. Shame is amazing. Thanks, Shame. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Long fast bender. Before <laughs> we get to Sorry. the winner of the night, um, I have spent all of the 2020 season declaring that Lovers Rock is my favorite movie of the year. It doesn't mean it's going to win because two other knuckleheads have a voice in this shit show. But what did you guys think? Is it was I wrong? Does it have a chance? Oh, it definitely has a chance. I mean, certainly it, a chance. Yeah, I just, you know, uh, if I, I think if there was no first cow, because it, in a weird way, it hits the same notes of tenderness, the same notes of beauty, the same notes of like um, not being traditionally narrative driven. So, so Zack um, Snyder's not going to win a bracket. 
is what you're saying. I, I'm I'm thinking Zack Snyder's not going to win the bracket, but it's got everything that, that we want out of a movie of the year. We could talk about it. We could do another show starting right now, still talking about it. Yeah. You know, there's so much more to say. We'll probably watch it again in a couple of years and have different impressions of it. So, hey, Greg, so you're say, Greg, you're saying all that shit without us having watched the Chloe Zhao movie yet. I know. That's crazy. That's, that is crazy. I've actually, I have seen uh nomad land but brag if you want to if you want to figure out what i think about that movie idiots gonna have to listen to that show <laughs> greg is such gonna a get shock jock mike <laughs> mike do you think that this movie uh is at least stands a chance if not the uh ultimate winner so so much of a chance does it stand i i think it's an interesting not talking about first cow and then looking ahead towards nomad land it's such an interesting this is what 2020 is the connective tissue of 2020 films is fuck narrative here like your traditional cinematic narrative here's here's the vibes i'm going to wash over you and make you feel and be in a a, a moment cuz yeah. when do you ever experience a narrative like <laughs> that's not how anything works i sort of think i don't know we have chloe zhao who is you know like directed my favorite movie of 2 years ago and is directing a marvel movie in a couple years whenever that comes out this year but uh, i sort of think that i got so much chloe zhao from first cow and lovers rock you know like mm-hmm. nomad land is too much plot what are we doing here it's too <laughs> much but we'll talk about that next week uh gentlemen i do have to tell you who my best friend is please do craig i have never given 43 points before i gave you 43 points except for this wow. week where i gave mike 44 points <gasps> no thank you i mean thank you it, it was an honor again integrity first Please always remember integrity first. Uh, gentlemen, that's the show. Congratulations to both of you, but mostly to Steve McQueen. I know he's very stoked that we did this episode about his show. Next week is no bad name, but honestly, guys, until then, keep watching. Awesome.